Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Marcus Meets, a show that is available on the internet which means you can put it in your pocket if you've got a smartphone at marcusbronzy.com forward slash meets. That's M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y.com forward slash meets. You can also listen via the iTunes podcast app for Apple phones and Acast, whatever device you have. Um, so today's episode, I meet an international hostage negotiator, Richard Mullinder, and he tells us about his career in hostage negotiation and how emotional intelligence can help all of us in everyday life. Now, Richard is the real deal. Like he has worked as a detective investigating serious crimes. Um, and then he decided to become a hostage negotiator. His skills are so well regarded in this sector that he was appointed lead trainer at Scotland's Yard National Hostage and Crisis Negotiation Unit. He was also part of the team that negotiated a high-profile release of three UN workers being held by the Taliban in 2004. He's contributed to intelligence that informed the rescue of, of people from Iraq. He's worked with Scotland Yard, the FBI, police forces in Brazil, the Philippines and Cyprus. He's trained national like <laughs> agencies he's the real deal like i said um we also mention a lot of philip shavers in this episode that's because to celebrate the launch of philip's beard trimmer series 7000 a trimmer which um vacuums up hair as you trim because their loose hair is an issue for many of us uh, they partnered with richard to put together a guide to negotiating some of the toughest situations that cohabitation can throw at you well, it looks like Philip solved the whole you left hair in the sink issue. So they got Richard in to solve everything else. We started by him letting us know what type of person does it take to become a hostage negotiator? My belief is that if you're going to become a good negotiator, then you've got to be a nice person. Yeah. And and their, their negotiation skills are not... You add the negotiation skills to who you are. So you'd be a good negotiator on the basis that you come across as very you know friendly and very natural and 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 to be an ideal negotiator you've got to be natural so but then you know what you're doing so it's kind of it's a mixture of the two really does it make sense yeah that makes sense so when people ask you what you do because it happens quite a lot you're like, oh hi what do you do what's your answer well now of course it's i was i was a hostage negotiator so i'll tell them i was a police officer um i did 30 years career crd officer at scotland yard and then at the end of that and um, the last five years of which i spent as a hostage negotiator so and that kind of stops them in the track it's a good usp yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i think if i was advising any 25 year old young man if you're going to ask what job you should do this is the job you should do do not be a spy everyone is a spy very few people are hostage negotiators and when they say to you what do you do you just say god tell you (laughs) (laughs) but but luckily today you you can tell me a little bit so this is going to sound like a bit of a silly question but i've only got tv and films to go off what is a hostage negotiator? What do you do? Um, three things, really. We, we, we deal with um, three kind of main situations. So suicide intervention. So people on bridges, uh, people on high-rise buildings are in crisis. Um, domestic sieges. So uh, they're the, the kind of like, you know, husband and wife dispute or something like that. It's all, it's all gone very badly. The family's broken up or whatever. Or the husband comes back and wants to take it out on the wife, etc. That sort of thing. 
Um, and then there's bank robbers. So if that goes wrong, crime goes wrong. And then finally, there's the international ones. So it's, it's so to some extent, negotiation is the wrong word, I suppose, you could argue, because our job is to get everyone out safely. That's, that's our job. So crisis negotiation is about convincing people that the best way to resolve this is to get them, let everyone go and come and walk away from it. Uh, and from suicide intervention, um, it's, it's, like, it's like a pitch. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is almost like a pitch. It's, they're, they're putting forward that death is better than life. That's their proposition. And my proposition or our proposition would be that life is better than death. And we have to work a way out that we can actually make them see that living is better than dying. The international okay. ones, which are the most high, you know, high profile, um, domestic sieges, uh, crimes gone wrong, and then suicide intervention. So they're the four. What was your journey like, you know, as an officer into this, or maybe before that? Let's let's have the whole lot. Yeah, my journey starts, I suppose. Um, it's all about emotional intelligence. Why? What people call as emotional intelligence, um, and what emotional intelligence really is is survival. Um, if you're gonna, you know, you need. You need to be able to recognise that there's danger, and, and, and that's emotional intelligence to some extent, or that this person's unhappy, or this person's happy, and it's just a kind of recognising people's emotions, and recognising what could be going wrong here, or what could be dangerous here. And I always think that um, the more volatile your childhood, um, the more uncomfortable a childhood, I suppose, makes you more emotionally intelligent, because you have to learn to survive. So as there's a kind of thing called streetwise when people say they're streetwise you know and you see someone streetwise well what does that mean exactly it means that this person kind of knows what the score is okay well if you know what the score is then you're emotionally intelligent and to me it's it's quite interesting because the more we bring up our children in a nice safe environment to some extent that well they, they, they don't need to survive you know because there's no one threatening them you know so when you come across people who have been brought up in you know, rough areas and, and working as a police officer, you know, some of the suspects, really bright, sharp people, and they've got to be sharp because you've got to survive in that area. So these people will, be, will make great negotiators, you know, but they, it's just that they've gone down the wrong path to some extent. Um, and then going into the police, of course, coming from, and I'm not saying I didn't have an unhappy child or anything like that, but it was kind of like, you know, just after the war, there was lots of tensions going on within the family and lots of tensions outside the family. You know, I always come from a relatively poor background, born and bred in Brixton, and then went to grammar school. So, you know, there was a kind of a, a big step up. You know, there's a different class of people I had to survive in, shall we say. Then went from grammar school to the army as a private. So there I was a relatively posh person going into the army as a private. And again, you learn to survive. So all of that gave me um, inherent skills, I suppose, or, in, you know, uh, nurtured me in a way that made me that when I went into the police, it was kind of like the right job for me because it, it, was, um, it was a follow-on, really. All the stuff that I'd done in the army, all the stuff I'd done as a kid, kind of helped me to, and shaped me as a person. And then going into the police, there I was, you know, walking the streets and meeting people and understanding what was going on. You know, I had a really good, I was streetwise, I suppose. Becoming a hostage negotiator, I'd, I'd done a lot of interviewing training. I, I was uh, the lead interviewing trainer for a while and I'd done a lot of interviews, obviously, you know. And friend phoned me up and said we you know this, we need to redesign the course can you help us redesign the course and i said yeah well and they said uh will you become a hostage negotiator and i said yeah right what do i need to do and i said well you need to do the course and, and then I'd, so i did the course and uh, got through the course and it's an it's, it's, it's a very impactful course very you know very intense course it's two weeks it's eight o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night you know you do training you you're constantly being forced into situations where you've got to think fast, I suppose, you know. And, and at the end of that, I then did more or less a year, I suppose, actually full-on negotiations before I was actually allowed to kind of re-look re at the, the course and, and develop it in my style, I suppose. And then, and then I did both negotiation and running the course, so it became that. And that's how it came about. And what sort of changes did you bring to the course? It was, um, I'm, I'm a great believer in, in being real. I think um, a lot of training courses, and lots of training courses you go on, they kind of say, well, you've got to listen carefully, or, you know, you have to concentrate, or, or, or and, and all of this stuff, which is all very general, you know. What does it mean? What does listen carefully mean? If you don't know what listening is, how can you possibly listen carefully? And concentrate, I, I defy anyone to teach me to concentrate. So saying to someone, concentrate. And I found a lot, uh, with, with the course as it was, 
it was a brilliant course and it was it was fit for purpose but there's some stuff we teach because it's almost like well that's what should happen yeah okay well it doesn't happen so let's let's not teach it because if it doesn't happen why are we why are we critiquing people for something they're never going to do and so it was, a, it was a, really it wasn't a matter of redesigning it was a question of paring it down and there's in any form of training you get the the must the shoulds and the coulds it's like in life you know we must do this we should do this we could do that the sexy parts are the coulds and if you're not careful you spend a lot of time so you know you'd get negotiators come along and tell a story a brilliant story you know stunning negotiation but so what you know and that was and that was if you're running a course at that kind of level and at that um extreme i suppose the so what was really important it's like what does that talk them anything it's just showing you how good you are and it's, it's good to have stories at times but if that story doesn't actually serve a purpose then don't tell the story and that that's the could do you know what I mean but it's sexy everyone wants to hear it you know bring them on you know you get someone like Trevor Locke who's tremendous you know did the Iranian embassy here use a PC at the Iranian fascinating to listen to what, what, we, what do we take away from this you know we're going to give this amount of time what are we going to take away from this that's going to enable us to be better negotiators and that was and, it, and, it, and in fact with Trevor it was great because he's a friend of mine and, and, it, and there was lots we could take away but there's other stuff that was in there that was kind of like well we don't do that so let's not do it let's not talk about it let's go back to the must and the must are it's two o'clock in the morning it's pouring down with rain I've got to get you off the roof right okay then, then the must are the skills exactly and, and it's very interesting that you said that there's a situation two o'clock in the morning three o'clock yeah. in the morning and you've got to get somebody off a roof so you told me about the training process which is intense and very interesting and you told me about about the job how do you transgress from finishing your training to getting on the job you're in it and there, there is no i mean there is no what, what, what can you do you know there is no practice you can't practice there is no practice so it's just you know they, they they finish the course and we have to be satisfied you know I'm, I'm not training anymore but there has to be a satisfaction that these people can handle that situation because you don't know what you're going to go into every situation is different every single situation no one can ever say you know at 10 o'clock today there will be a hostage negotiation it doesn't work like that you know it's 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 like at 10 o'clock today someone will decide for whatever reason that you know death is better than life and they'll put themselves on a bridge somewhere in london okay and this could be for any number of a hundred reasons or they could be mentally ill or they could be very very depressed or they could be you know just at the end of their tether or and, and any anything so there is no you can't practice that Do you know you, you've got to have there are certain skills that you can use they're, they're ordinary communication skills and they will enable you to get to the core of the problem when you get to the core of the problem you can then start to think about what the solution is most people try to solve problems before they know what the problem is what you've got to do is to really get down there and think right what is causing this why is this having this impact on you at this moment in time and and the more you can do that and and the, and skillful enough to allow that person or give, give that person sufficient trust in you that they will tell you their work because what you're asking someone to do really is to give you give you their darkest secrets so that you can think right how can i deal with this how can i make this better because that's what you're looking for you know and it's um it's it's, it's what you're doing you know the, the, the fact that you can sit down and interview people and get on with people you walk in you shake your hand smile you know the whole thing about it is you've relaxed me I'm quite happily talking to you, right? Well, I've got to do exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing, and that, and and then gradually, I mean, we're here for a particular purpose, so therefore, I'm quite willing to talk to you. With some people on a bridge or something like that, they don't want to talk to you, so then you've got to work out a way of getting to talk to you, you know, and and you've got to think, right? Well, how, how do I get to this person? You know, how do I get this person to trust me enough to tell me their life story? You know, because people are going to say to you, you know, my wife's left me, you know, or you know, I've got no money, or my kids hate me, and that's not easy things to talk about but you need to get there because you've got to think right okay how can I turn that round how can I say well maybe if we think about it this way or have you thought about that or even even better is you say to someone like um, okay so what have you thought about and, and what happens in life and this is across the board forget negotiation to some extent in life is um, lots of people don't apply for a job because they don't think they'll get the job they'll say stuff like um, well, there's no point in me applying for that I'm a woman or there's no point in me applying for that because you've already been put aside for someone else so they don't apply and then they don't and then they moan and you think well 
why are you moaning? Don't moan, because you should have applied. Yeah, but I wouldn't have got the job in the first place. So they put all these obstacles in their way. And this is when people, you know, very rarely people turn up on a bridge thinking, oh, I think I'll commit suicide. You know, they've obviously gone through a whole series of solutions. And what you've got to do is to listen to those solutions and see if there's ways that you can change, change the, take away the obstacles. And these are quite drastic situations that, yeah. that you've explained to me. How often do these sorts of things occur every day? In London, yeah. in London, there's about 150 of these a year. So there will be, you know, and that would be, the, and, and we're, we're particular, I think, around the country, there's different ways of assessing the numbers or, you know, um, not assessing, you know, um, whatever the word is, you, you know what I mean by making the numbers up. Um, so in London, only if we talk to them, do we count that as a, a, a negotiation? If we arrive on the scene and they've already come down or they come down before we arrive or, you know, we use the young PCs talk to them and they've come off mm. we don't count it so we, we don't count it as it's, it's done before we've arrived mm. so there's about 150 yeah excuse me <coughs> on average and is is this a growing figure or is it is it no, steady or across the board really it's been it's been like that for some time okay. it's not um, it doesn't seem to get any worse it doesn't seem to get any better either but I mean it's, it's, I think it's just a uh, yeah I'm not sure this some years which are 20 or 30 more and some years which are 20 or 30 less but sort of on average you can say about 150 Um, and this is going back a little bit you've explained a very complex skill set already required for hostage negotiation what makes a great negotiator there's um, it's it's interesting I I thought about this and first of all the person's got to be compassionate I I think that's the most important thing you've got to be kind and you've got to um, you've got to be able to drop your own ego, which is the second thing, because it's, it's really, you know, it does get very intense. And there's there's not a lot of stake in, in a way for the hostage negotiator because the person's going to kill themselves. And then to some degree, that's that's not for the hostage negotiator. Yeah, there's a lot of stake for that person. But they're not going to kill me, if that makes sense. But there is also an awful lot of, you know, ego about pride, you know, I don't want to lose anybody, you know, it's almost like you don't, you, you don't, you don't want to see anyone kill themselves because you say the wrong word, you know, so all of that stuff is going on. So I think there's a, it's got to be, you've got to be fairly cool. I mean, I think that's really important. You've got, you, you've got to, and you've got to be resilient and you're going to take a lot of abuse um, and you've got to be very careful about your language you, and you've got to be quick and it's all a bit kind of airy-fairy, but, but there are lots of skills that we can use that, it, that you know there's lots of tools that we can use that enable us to be to kind of do that if that makes sense but they're, they're everyday tools the, the difference is is that um, and I make the comparison when I teach this I, I talk about a comparison between a Formula 1 racing car driver and an ordinary driver and that's the difference that's, that's the only difference there are no you know to, to drive a car you accelerate you brake you change gear and you steer that's all you can do with a car you know, nothing else. You can turn on the radio, but that's not driving. You know, what I mean, you can look in the mirrors. Yeah, okay, you can argue you can look in the mirrors, but the driving of the car is that. Okay, with communication, and, and most of us don't drive our cars. What most of us do is aim our cars. You'll get in your car. You won't even think about what you're doing. You turn on the ignition. Boof, off you go, and you just kind of you put on a bit of music. You wind down the windows. Well, Lewis Hamilton never winds down the window and looks outside while he's driving his Formula One racing car. You know, he don't go, "Oh, look at that! Monaco's looking a bit pretty this morning." He doesn't do that. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's the difference. And so, in a hostage negotiation situation, we know what the skills are. We've refined those skills without a doubt you know the normal communication skills and we've refined them and maybe we know a little bit more we know which ones to use so we can pick on the ones it's a bit like you know if we talk about a racing line in a Formula 1 racing car you know when, you, when you're coming up to a corner your racing line is you know, if you break just at that point you can whiz around the corner very quick you know now normally when we're driving up to a corner we don't think oh I'm going to break there you know you just get around it just see my point and, and that's all the difference is and so if you look at it like that that the, the, the hostage negotiator is, is a Formula 1 racing car driver and that when we go to work and when we're working, you switch it on. And and the big important thing I think people don't, or people get a bit worried about talking to people like us is, is that normally speaking, when Lewis Hamilton drives his Ferrari, not his Mercedes, but his Ferrari around Monaco on his days off, he aims it. He doesn't drive his, he don't drive like a Formula One racing car driver. And so it, there is this thing that, you know, we switch on the skills when they're needed and then you switch them off. But equally, Lewis Hamilton practices. And I think the thing is, is that, you know, we practice as well. And so, you know, I practice, I talk to waiters. 
and it's just a way of getting them talking and it's to keep my skills going it's really interesting that you have worked in the UK but you've also worked overseas right yeah so language is different uh, we're good at body language you're good at body language it's I'm, I'm a real uh, philistine I suppose when it comes to body language if I'm sitting watching someone's body language and I'm not listening to what they're saying I'm wasting my time right. you know it's, for me it's, it just doesn't make any sense you know you've got your hand over your fist now is this your over your cheek rather and you think right, is that your thinking look is that your I'm wondering what you're going to say next look is this unconcentrating look I don't know do you know what I mean I can make up all sorts of but the best only way I can tell you is if I know you really well so I think body language is kind of like don't worry about it you know people are good at it Mm. and this nonsense of 55% of communication is body language well it's complete tosh I mean you're talking down the end of a telephone someone's listening to this recording they can't see me whizzing my hands around they can't see me smiling they can't see you laughing they can't see any of us right so what's that mean you can't 55% of it's gone is it is that what they're saying it's nonsense isn't it right so so get rid of body language how about the voice and how language changes across the world yeah. uh, how, how does that change negotiation yeah. I think well, it, well of course if you're working in a foreign country then you, normally you work through interpreters especially in hostage situations now in that case you have to be really careful because people use language differently the Arabic language is a beautiful language it's, it's a romantic language so I, I made a comparison it's like Shakespeare in English and they talk like that you know so, and that's how they use their language um, the Portuguese 25% more words than English so I don't know what the 25% are but they are they, so I was working a lot in Brazil and I'd be talking through the interpreter and I'd stop you know da, 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 and the interpreter blah, 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 blah. and I'm thinking have you finished or what what's going on here you know and it's kind of like it was that right we're ready now eh? okay and then they'd all laugh or something that I, I, I didn't think it was funny because I meant it to be funny but and I'm going all right okay and you have to trust your interpreter I mean that's the big thing there um, and when you put out messages, if you're going to put out a press release or something in that language, then you need to have someone that's going to rewrite your message because so often what you're writing can be fairly weak. And if you say it in that way, it comes across as very weak or too strong. You know, what, what was acceptable in, well, classic example, I suppose, is, is what's acceptable in the Netherlands and what's not acceptable in England. If you meet the Dutch, they are very frank. Now, they're not being rude. It's just that they're very frank. If, you, if they say to you... Um, would you like a drink? And you say later, which basically means no, we don't. You know, if, if the English person wouldn't say no, he'd say, oh, oh no, maybe later, which basically means, and they'll come back and ask you again later, do you want the drink now? Because they, they've heard it actually, you know, and say, oh, no, no. All right, so do you want this drink? Well, no. Well, why didn't you say so in the beginning? And, and they're kind of, if you say to a you know, person from, do you want a drink? No. That's it, finished. But they're not being rude. It's because you've asked a question, they give you an answer. So, and you have to get used to that in a way and you, and I always say if you're going to go abroad and you're working with interpreters the first question you should ask them is what's the five dumbest things I can do and then don't do them yeah. <laughs> simple you know what I mean and even to the point if you call a Scotsman an Englishman they're not going to be very impressed now okay but there's, there's a classic even within this country you know with our, in the UK you know there's a really important thing to understand there you know don't call them Scotch because Scotch is whiskey, it's not, they're Scottish, you know, well, okay, but, you know, so we can make mistakes within the UK, so you can easily make the same mistakes when you go abroad, and I think that's a really important point, is if you're going abroad, kind of ask that, ask yourself, ask someone from that culture, what's the five dumbest things I can do, and then don't do them, you know, and it's, that's it, really. Okay, and, and, and negotiations um, overseas, yeah. you've spoken about, you know, the Arabic language, spoken about Brazil, yeah. spoken about Dutch, what sort of work has have you had to do overseas with regards to negotiations? So I, I was in Afghanistan and I've worked in the Middle East, um, in Jordan, um, working on a couple of negotiations. And the it's kind of like um, they're, they're, the problem with oh, there's no there's no problem. This position is this is that. The UK do not pay. The UK government will not pay. No, no matter what people think, you know, because obviously you get people come say, oh, well, they always pay, don't they? No, we don't. We really don't pay. You know, there are other governments that do pay. Yeah, I'm not, not going to quote what the governments are, but there are other governments that we know, we know pay. We don't. You know, the British government will not pay. We will not exchange prisoners. We will not offer amnesty from prosecution. And we will not make political statements. Right. So uh, as a negotiator, you've got nothing. You have got nothing. It's um, if anyone plays poker, 
you've been dealt a two, a five, a seven, a nine, and a jack, and they're all different bloody suits. You know, you've got the worst possible hand you could actually sit down with. And you're thinking, right, where do I go with this? And you have to get clever. And, and, and that's it. The reality is we don't pay, you know, and it's very frustrating when you hear people say, oh, no, yeah, we, we know you pay. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I wish we could, because we don't. So, so it is about thinking. And you have to think outside the box. So quite a lot of our negotiation is not so much about um, actually one-to-one, because quite often that can be very, you know, you, you, you're lucky if you get to talk to someone. You know, whereas, so a lot of it is about, right, okay, how do we get this message right? How do we use the media, et cetera, et cetera. Same as what the, oh, same as what all the terrorist groups do. I mean, they use the media to their, they're really good at it. You know, I think to some extent we, we have a lot to learn. You know, you, social media, all of that stuff. I mean, you can see it with Daesh, you know, with ISIS and all of those. They use the social media. And we have to get better at it, I think, if I'm honest. I was going to ask you, how important is it for you to be in tune with current events when you're making those sorts of conversations happen? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's been a long time now since I've had to do those conversations. But you you must know what's going on. Um, whenever you're doing a negotiation, you've got, to, you've got to come up with a reason why people should do what you're going to ask them to do. And if you can't come up with that reason, it's for, you're not going to convince anybody. This is straight life. You know, if you want your... Um, if you want to go on holiday somewhere, let's imagine you want to take your girlfriend, wife, partner, whatever, to go on holiday. I go, why should they go to where you want to go? I have a great story. My son, my son, for one of my birthdays, I won't tell you which one, because he's old. <laughs> but <laughs> but for my, he came to me and he said, Dad, Dad, I've got a great present for you. I said, oh, great. I said, yeah, what is it, what is it? He said, um, we're going to jump out of an aeroplane together. I said, really? I said, uh, I said, I've got news for you. I said, you're jumping out on an aeroplane on your own. No, no, Dad, you'll love it. You'll love it. I said, I, I don't think so. I said, you know, quite honestly, I don't like heights. So, no, not for me. I said, can you take me for dinner? Because I'd much rather do that. And he's looking at me and said, but well, I can't understand it. You know, of course you'll love it. No, you see, and this is the problem. He loves the idea of jumping out of an aeroplane. He wants to jump out of an aeroplane. He can see the excitement. And, he, and of course, to him, why wouldn't anyone else want to do that? Because that's the best thing you can do in the world but I don't want to do it and and he was selling his idea through to himself not to me and what he should have thought about is what do I want and that's always the case is that whenever you're negotiating whenever you're trying to sell an idea solution product you've got to think about your audience and what do they want it's not about you know it's like you're sitting down here you've got an outcome you want to have a a, a a tasty iPod, whatever it is, you know, what are you going to do? And it, so it goes away, people get interested and you can, and so there's your outcome, okay. And I'm presenting myself in a way that's saying, okay, well, here it is, you know, so, and this is hopefully matching what you need. And if it doesn't, then you're asking a question, you're asking another question and push me in that direction. But that's okay. And you're thinking all the time, will my audience like this? That's your kind of, your outcome is, will my audience like this? Who am I, who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Yeah. I also like to think about the questions that they'd want to ask as well. I yeah. think a question they might want to ask is, what happened in that situation? Did you end up jumping out of a plane or did you go for a slap-up uh, meal? No. <laughs> <laughs> no way was I going to jump out of the aeroplane. There's absolutely no chance. No, no, no. We went, um, we went out for a slap-up meal. We had a good old chat. It was really interesting. Because, again, and another thing came out of that conversation was around um, how people see success. And I'd never thought about it before. But, again, you know, he said, well, you're successful, Dad. And I said, oh, really? Well, am I successful? He said, well, you know, you've got a nice house, blah, 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 you know, all the stuff. And I said, no, that's nothing to do with me. I said, that's, yeah, okay, I work towards that. But having got it, it you suddenly realise it doesn't mean a great deal. Because, well, for me it didn't. Because, you know, as you get older, and it's this thing about internal and external reference. So the external reference is when you're younger, generally speaking, you know, people like fast cars, you know, like to buy a house, got to be seen to be doing well. When you get older, it's all about being happy, which is a completely different mindset. You know, and I think that's kind of, and so it's fascinating, again, to see how, his values, although very strong, and you know, we're both very similar in lots of different ways, his ideas are very different. And and if I was talking to him to get him to do something, I would have to appeal to his ideas, not to mine. And that's the key. And that's always the key. Whoever you're dealing with, you've got to get into their heads. It doesn't matter what you think about yourself. You know, you've already bought the idea, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Do you see my point? Yeah. So, but to get them. So if, you, if it's like all sorts of stuff, you know, somewhere along the line, you've got to work it out for them. It's interesting. So that's like living proof that you do actually use your negotiation skills day to day. There are, you know, to kind of say this, when people say to learn to be a good negotiator, well, I said to you right at the very beginning was exactly right. You know, you are a good, you would be a great negotiator, not because you have any of these, you have all the skills of negotiation. All that I would have to do is to show you what they are 
And then you say, oh, I can use that, oh, I can do that, I can do that. And of course you can do all of them, of course you can. But the thing that comes with you is that you people like you. Well, there you go then. Likeability, trust. Cheers. And, and where can people learn more about how to, to pick up these negotiation skills? Well, funny enough, I mean, <laughs> I know we're here for this Phillips thing. So um, they, they, there's a little kind of a little um, brochure that's going out with the Phillips, with this new, this new shaving stuff, which is going to give them some, some tips. And they're, only, they're, they're kind of light-hearted, slightly tongue-in-cheek. Um, there's all sorts of play. You know, there are courses. You, you can have a look on the website. You know, I've got a website which you can have a look on there. You can see there's courses being run and all that sort of thing. But I, I don't want to sell myself on that way. I'm not, not that interested in that. Um, the skills are, they're really simple, but they're hard to do. Okay. Or they're hard to, they're hard to concentrate. Listening is really tough. Listening is really tough. People know how to talk. Everyone's taught to talk. No one's taught to listen. And I'll give you an example of it, okay? If I said to you, teach me to listen, what would you say? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. That's the absolute number one clue. Yeah, number one clue is don't say anything. But yeah. what people often talk about is, you know, ask questions. Well, okay, that's talking. Mm. So what's that got to do with listening? You may elicit a response. Yeah, okay, but that's not listening. Then they say, like, um, body language. Well, again, that's looking. Eye contact. It's looking. So, so where's this listening coming in? And, and people really don't understand that. And I think my kind of uh, aim in life no not really my aim but what I want to do is to spread the word if people listen to each other what you know why is it all falling apart what, what's going on at the moment what's you know you look around the world and everything you know, Brexit all the rest of it so what happened with Brexit no one listened to the poor people and I, I don't mean all poor people that voted to leave I'm not saying that but no one you know what, what, what did they sell you know why did Brexit win Brexit well, in my opinion Brexit won because they sold hope that's all they sold because if you've got nothing and you say remain where you are, I ain't going to stay here. So people said, I don't want to stay here. The remain was a lousy brand. Do you know? And so what Brexit said, well, we can have more control. Okay, that's a start. Do you know? And it's like, did they, who knew the audience best? And I, yeah, you know, you, you look at, there's all sorts of stuff going on in the world around them. Are we really listening to each other? Are we really kind of working out what's, what's creating the problems then? What's the real angst? You know, what's going on there? And so often we've got our own agenda. And we're stuck in our own agenda that we we can't we don't really listen to what the other people are saying and i think it's a great shame yeah. i mean it's very interesting you mentioned nothing there being on the table and just to quickly go back to yeah. when you said you were doing some work uh where you know we don't pay yeah. we don't you know give people political you know shall we say stuff, pardons yeah, and yeah. such yeah. how do you create negotiations when you've not got that well, you have to understand the other people. Again, you start from the listening point of view. How do I gain? How do I understand why they've done what they're doing? People don't take hostages for no reason. You know, there's got to be a reason behind it, and quite often it's because they've not been heard. You know, this is the only way you're going to listen to me if I do something violent. That's why people do violence. You're not listening to what we're saying. So what do we need? You know, there's no point in us standing up because nothing's going to happen. And so we need to. So, you know, so we're going to do something violent. Now you listen. And we do, you know, that's the worst thing is that we do listen then. And we, we, we kind of call them, give them all sorts of names and all the rest of it. But the bottom line is, is we start to listen to them because they actually, they become a threat to us. Right, okay. Well, is there, surely there must be a better way that when they first start talking to us, you say, okay, what's the angst here? What's going on here? Why are young kids going out to Syria and Libya? You know, what's going on there? What, 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 are, we, what are we not doing? You know, rather than blame them. And, and if, if their propaganda is so good that they can get these young kids to do that, then what, what, what's so bad about where we are? And how, why are they seeing us as being this bad? You know, so what's, what's, what are we doing? And let's start to understand them. And when we start to understand them, then you can start thinking, right, okay, so that's how that looks to you. But it may not be what I meant it to look like. You know, we, we live in such an affluent society that we've got um, almost casual around our safety and stuff like that. And I think we, we, we're not, if we're not careful, you know, we, we have to protect it. We have to look after that. We have to be, you know, nurture it, look after that. Because we were talking about it this morning, you know, the last 60 years is not normal for history. The last 60 years we've been very peaceful. It's been great. You know, we've had a, we've been, well, I don't expect for one more second that you'd expect to go to war, for instance. You know what I mean? Go back before that 60 years and kind of everyone did. Do you know what I mean? And we have been at war since forever. You know, and you kind of think, well, okay, so the, the, what's happening now is more of the norm than less of the norm. Mm. But we kind of, not, and we, and if we're not careful, we won't protect it enough. We, 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 we'll be too casual with it. 
and I think we need to listen to what's causing these problems. Mm. You know, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, people are being threatened. People's religions are being threatened. People's ways of life are being threatened. And and it may be that we're saying, well, everyone should do that. Well, should they? Do you know, that's the, that's the reality. Is is maybe these people think, oh, well, I don't want that to be like that. I want it. Maybe there's a, a you know a search for nostalgia. Go back to what it used to be like. Mm. All of that stuff, the old family values, you know. Go back to Victorian times and the family values. Really? I mean, have a look at Victorian times. It was a slum. Mm. You know what I mean? They had poor houses. So you didn't want to go back to Victorian times? But we kind of had this longing to be somewhere where we're not, you know. And, and I think that's kind of, we, we have to be very careful. That's mm. my thought. Well, it seems like the reoccurring theme is listening yeah. is, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that's the best uh, attribute you can have. Yeah. And the best actually, I think um, the ability to listen is is to really understand somebody, to really get inside that person's head. You know, a lot of people talk about empathy, about walking in somebody else's shoes, and I'm not. You know, I, I'm not convinced that anyone can walk in anybody else's shoes. Um, I'm, and it doesn't mean to say you know you can't begin to understand them. I think you can get an understanding of them, but I think you need to. If this has this impact on that person, how does that impact feel to that person? And a question I always ask someone is, is, you know, how sad is your sad? How sad is my sad? Well, if I say I'm feeling sad, how, how am I feeling? And what we tend to do is say, well, I know what it feels like to be sad, but, yeah, but it may not be the same as they're sad. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I always think, well, so, so how's that feel to you? And you need to kind of uncover that. And then you've got to see what's happened in, your, in, in their lives or over the last year that's created this impact made it this powerful an impact why is someone going to kill themselves that is a huge thing to do so why is it had that massive an impact you talk with someone on a bridge and they say like i've lost five thousand pounds it's the end of my life and you can't if you're not careful you go it's only five grand mate <laughs> well yeah you know and that's and, and it's not because you're being flippant head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's because it is only five grand, you know, but, but to them, it's their life. And there may be a whole series of things that have happened that this five grand has been the catalyst to say, Do you know what, it's the end. I went on a trip last week and I was doing some work out in Vienna and it started off badly and <laughs> then I lost my laptop and then and then uh, a whole series of things happened, you know, and you kind of think, well, oh God, this is it's getting worse and worse and worse. And before you know it, you know, you're, you're kind of spiralling down, you know, but actually none of them in, the, in their own place, you know, so, so the, the plane was late. <laughs> well, okay, the plane's late. Um, and then you leave your laptop on the plane. <laughs> So you leave your laptop on the plane, so that's a pain, you know. And then um, something else happens, and 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 if the one, each one of them on their own, bit of a stressful, but not massively stressful. Put all four together, it's like, oh, for God's sake, you know, why am I bothering? Mm. You know, and suddenly it's, and that's what you're looking at. And I think so often, if we're not careful, we deal with the the obvious problem or the last problem, and we don't know what the other six problems are that's before it that's created that issue that's made it this powerful so we need to go back over them all so as a listener 
as a, as a negotiator, you're listening. Right, okay, why? Why that impact? And then you find out about that. All oh, right, and then, and then, and then, you know, and it's. It could be even if you go to everyday domestics. I mean, we talk about you know this thing with uh, shaving and stuff. Okay, so the, so the, so the um, you know the sink is covered in hair. All right, okay. As as a one-off, it's a pain. Do you know what I mean? But let's say that you know you were brought up in a house where no one cleared up. You know that everything was untidy, and one morning you've gone in, and you know the sink is covered in hair, the toilet's still messy. All of that stuff is going on, and and it becomes you know my whole life has been kind of dominated by this stuff going on or people being messy around you and all the rest of it and and all of a sudden like you know it's like right okay <laughs> i don't want that because <laughs> that signifies all of that all you've got is one sink full of hair but it's brought back memories from everywhere you know and it it's impact because that means sink you know hair in a sink equals a messy room equals no food equals duh, 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 duh. and so you go you flip you know, and people, and suddenly it becomes, oh, okay, all right, I'll wash the sink out. I'll wash yeah, the sink. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. And that's life. I think, and that's what I kind of say to people. Negotiation is dealing with life. It's just life situations. Mm. And they're just ex- extremes. Okay. I, I do want to throw another, a few scenarios at you in a bit, but yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, um, you have what seems like an extra set of senses or advanced senses because you've practiced with them for yeah. so long. That's great because, you know, you're thinking about, you know, if someone's having a bad day or a bad situation, now you think about the before, maybe what's going to happen afterwards. Is there ever like a little bit of a drawback from being so hyper aware in comparison to someone like me who hasn't been exercising these muscles for all these yeah. years? Yeah, of course. Uh, and there is there a drawback? There's, um, you have to switch off. Mm. You do have to switch off. I mean, it's, it's funny. I'll give you another example. So this is a, it's, it's not, but you know, you, how often have you been to a party with your girlfriend or partner or whatever, you know, and you turn up at the door and you're having a row. So you, you, as you get to the door, you look at each other and say, okay, we'll behave now. So you ring the bell and it's like, hi, how's it going? Cha, 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 cha. And then you go, yeah, and, and, I, I, and you're in the party and you're listening to the people talking to each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, a few drinks have flowed, a couple of glasses of wine have gone on and one or other of the two will say something. And there's a little aside from the other one, which goes like, oh, really? And there's a little throwaway like that, you know? And, and that sort of stuff you pick up on. Yeah. And, and what I've learned to my cost in the past is uh, don't ever mention it. <laughs> just let it go. You know, there are certain things you just let go. You have to be really careful. I find if I'm having a, a kind of a heated debate with anybody now, I listen really well. And that's the worst thing because when we're in a heated debate we often contradict ourselves we start an argument over here we move across to there you know we go in five different places we still got the same argument still got the same point of view but we've used all sorts of different and if if you're really sharp you can pick them up one to one, one by one and take them apart and that i have to be really careful you know yeah. uh, <laughs> never give your opinion that's the, that's the seek the key is okay. this never give an opinion right. because the moment you give an opinion you give more away about yourself than you do about what you're talking about Okay then, so um, so get the sore bum from sitting on the fence. Well, you don't have to sit on the fence. <laughs> what you do is, but it's, it's not a bad way of looking at it. It depends on how much you think, how important it is to you. If you want to get your point across, let them talk first, and then right, listen to their 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 reasoning, and then think right, okay, does that make sense? I mean, be honest about it. You know, you've got to be impartial in that way when you listen. You you can't listen. The problem with all of us is that we've got our own values, our own beliefs, our own way of dealing with stuff, and when someone starts talking about it in a different way. We, we kind of fight it in almost, you know, so we, we go straight in, we power in, no, 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 and then we shout a lot because we think that by shouting that people are going to be convinced. They're never going to be convinced by you shouting. You know, the bottom line is, as human beings, we always think we're right. You know, and, if, and when people say, well, can't always be right, well, okay, tell me one thing you believe in, you know, to be wrong. And then they go quiet again because it's, right then, so you're always right. And so, so if you're having an argument with somebody, they're right and you're right. So you can't win an argument, there's no point. But, but there's, so for me, it's like, okay, listen very carefully. If you're in a business negotiation, let them talk. You know, okay, so what you're saying is, make sure you get it right. So what you're saying is this, is this, is this, is this. Right, and is that everything? So right, okay. So then you kind of, then you take them apart one by one. Yeah. So so what you said about this, um, what about this? Mm. And what you said about that, what about that? 
And we said about that. And then, uh, and what they will do is, undoubtedly, the first time you say, so when you said about this, what about this? They'll shout at you again. They'll come straight back in. Because mm. they're not, you know, and then you have to think, well, okay, all right. So, and then you let them talk again. It depends on how much you want to be, <laughs> how patient you want to be, if I'm honest. I think I just want to get the job done. So yeah, Philip, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Philip's um, the Series 7000 yeah. with the beer trim with the vacuum on it. That's saved an issue for us. That's that's one situation that I'm not going to have to worry about. Hair in the sink. I'm not going to have to negotiate my way out of that. Good. There must be other situations that you can help me with. Like, for example, uh, this genuinely happens to me. I seem to get stuck with the boring people at parties. How do I negotiate my way out of that sort of situation. I'm at a party. There's fun people over there. I want to join the fun. Somebody's talking to me about physics when I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, okay. I think um, if you want the truth, yeah. you're stuck. There is, unless you're prepared to just say to him, do you know what, mate? Uh, I've been really nice talking to you, but right now you're boring me a bit and walk off. And it's called the rude card. And it's a shocking, it's absolute crippler. It's absolute crippler. There's the, um, there are three rules of conversation. There are more than three, but there are three that you need to know. First one is my turn, your turn. So you nodding your head, takes your turn in the conversation, I will keep talking. The second one is once started, you're obliged to continue. So if I get you talking, um, you know, then you're obliged to keep talking. Because the third one is says, if you're gonna stop talking, you can't be rude. And that's why you get stuck. And that's why you can't walk away. And I, I do this often in the classes. And I you can say to a young lady, how many of you been stuck with a bore at a party? And they'll say, oh, put their hands up. Say, okay, how do you get rid of them? They go to the toilet. Or they say, I'm going to go to the toilet. So it's okay, I'll wait for you. <laughs> and, and you can't get away, you know. And, and in the end, they leave the party. There is no option. Because unless you're prepared to turn around and say, do you know what, mate? I've had enough of this. I'm just going to go over there and talk to those other people. Speak to you again later. But it's, it's a real difficult, it's a real difficult call. That's why um, Chuggers, you know, the, the charity muggers, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, you can't engage. The moment you engage, your, your rude card fixing, I mustn't be rude because we're taught not to be rude. If I'm honest, when, when with Chuggers, I try to unsee them. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. I look at yeah. them, but I look through and unsee. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, because the moment, and that's again, because the moment you start that conversation, it's difficult to get away. Yeah. And it enables me to practice. That's the interesting thing. Once you understand these rules, you can practice it. Because once you start talking to someone, like if I want to talk to someone on a train, I just say, oh, woman here, isn't it? As soon as they say yes, trapped, yeah. in, one, two, three, all kick wow. in. Wow. All right, all right, another scenario then. This, this, is another, uh, this is another hard one I struggle with. I've got mates who are great to talk to. I don't really even have to negotiate with them because we click. Yeah. But sometimes they have a drink. I might want to leave at a party. I know I can't leave them there because they're in a bit of a state. I want to get yeah. them out. Have you got any tips for that? Yeah, okay, okay. so it's, 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 it's why, why would, the, well, what can you do, and we, we talked about this a little bit, which is about, um, okay, offer them a McDonald's, which I really fancy Santa to eat. Do you know what I mean? Let's go and get Santa to eat. Uh, because with any drunk person, logic goes out the window. So you, you've got to understand this. You cannot ever have a logical tool conversation with a drunk because they don't understand it. It's gone, okay. all right? So the only thing you can do is get them to bed. Because in the morning, they'll be logical again. Well, you know yourself, you know, some not, what was I doing? You know, and, 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 you know we've all done it, you know. Yeah, of course. And there's times, ah, no, no, I'm having a great time, let's go, da, party! And you think, oh, for God's sake, you know, and you're trying to get them. And so you've got to somehow get them interested in something else. So a meal, um, whatever, do you know what I mean? But to get them out, you need to get them out. And that's the problem, because you, you're not going to be able to persuade them, because logic has gone. There's no logical argument with a drunk. So you gotta you gotta appeal to something else, appeal to their belly. Okay. All right, McDonald's it is. Okay. Or even okay. See, yeah, <laughs> KFC is my favourite, of course. So, but the all turn is there. You know, let's go home. I got some really nice whiskey or something. Mm. You know, we can sit down there, have a good old chat. Okay. Yeah, you know I mean, or something. But if you're gonna get them out, create something that they can appeal to them. Because okay. otherwise, they're not gonna go. All right then. All right, that's on. All right. What else? What else have I got? All right. Okay. So I really fancy someone. I want to negotiate my way into a coffee with them. Okay, so, all right. So why, why, what are you going to talk to them about? And when you're going to, there's lots of ways. You, you have to find the right time, in my opinion. So where do people talk to each other? Now, not very often on the tube, but they will talk on the tube when the tube stops between stations. Watch it next time. You'll see people start talking. Uh, of course, and if they're northern as well, they always talk on the tube. It's quite interesting. <laughs> it's quite nice. Say <laughs> so the people, you can always tell people, the tube's stuck or they're northern. So, but it's kind of like, because Londoners don't talk on the tube, as you know. Yeah. Um, queuing for the bar. Right. 
Yeah, queuing for the bar is always a good place because everyone talks queuing for the bar, have you noticed? They all talk, chat, 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 chat. You get your drink, see you later. You're never going to see them again, but you're kind of, but everyone's kind of, you're entitled to talk there. So that's always another place. Um, and pr- you, the opening lines, everyone talks about brilliant opening lines, you know, oh, you know, did you come from paradise? <laughs> I always think it's just such a load of toss, you know. Make it really, really simple, like, you know, it's warm in here, isn't it? And remember that the three rules of conversation, that will always get you, you know, and you'll get them talking. And if they like enough, the big key, right, the key to everything is stop talking about yourself. Most men are boring as hell to talk about. I don't talk to men on trains. I'll talk to women on trains. I don't talk to men on trains because men just keep going. <laughs> women are far more interesting <laughs> for me. And I think that's, if, but get them talking. Let them talk about themselves. Stop talking about yourself. Stop trying to impress. Mm. You impress them by, by not talking rather than by talking. These gems here. I think you should reiterate those those three rules of, of conversation. I know you said there's the more, but what? Yeah, no, the three rules is, is like, so the first rule is my turn, your turn. You must take your turn in the conversation. If you really want to get someone talking, then stop asking questions. That's the really fascinating thing. Is he says to me, so tell me what you're doing. No, really? God, no. You can, you can get a whole conversation going without asking questions, which keeps them on their subject. The problem with all of us as human beings is we become very inquisitive. We're, we're curious. So they, they'll say something like, um, something that you think, oh, that's interesting, and you ask a question, and immediately you tamed them away. You're now talking about what you want to know. Mm-hmm. So let them talk. That's the first thing I do. So that's, so that's the first rule of conversation. Take your turn, but nod your head. Keep it very simple. Yeah? Second rule of conversation is once started, you're obliged to continue. Once I've got you talking, it's very, you, you, you have to keep talking. Right, and off you go you keep talking and the third rule is if you're going to walk away you can't be rude and simple interesting I put pressure on you by using the social rules it's a social rule excellent I'm going to write those down when we listen back to that and I'm sure you will as well listening um, so emotional intelligence is is what you called it at the start of this how God, yeah you know what this isn't about me but how's my conversation been today that's been great no that's been very good and you kept it going and then the thing is you've allowed me to talk which is the, the big thing you, you, you wouldn't have got anything uh, if you got too interested in certain parts when you, when you talk to some people they keep asking you questions bang 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 and they keep moving you away whereas I think by doing it this way if you keep the person talking then th- th- they'll give you snippets they'll give you secrets anyway you know I've already look what I told you so see if you think about it I told you that I come from a relatively poor background I told you that I went to a grammar school. I told you I joined the army, went as a private. I told you all sorts of different stuff that's come out through this conversation, which you could easily have said something like, oh, so when were you in the army? Uh, so what did you do in the army? And then, oh, so when you were in Berlin, what did you do? Except you could have gone down a whole different series of conversations. But in this way, by staying with my what I'm talking about, you find out lots more. Now you can always go back. You know, you can always go back. You know, you mentioned you were in the army earlier. So tell us, do you see my point? It's like that's, that information is still there. Mm-hmm but you've kind of got the whole picture. So I look to get the whole picture from somebody. If I've got someone on a roof, if I'm dealing with a hostage situation, thinking, right, okay, what's the big picture here? What, what, what is all of this about? And then I can pick and select from those bits, the bits that I want to, which I think are going to help me get my outcome. Can you tell me about a scenario which was, I don't want to say a great success, because, you know, talk someone off a roof, you know, it could be sound quite rude to say it like that. <laughs> There's the situation, uh, uh, the quickest was uh, Bethnal Green, uh, won't forget it, it was a bridge over the road, it stopped all the roads, um, and there's a young lady not feeling very well, and someone told me she wasn't feeling very well, so I went up to her and I said, I understand you're not feeling well. She said, I'm not. I said, I've got some tablets, do you want them? She said, yeah. I said, come on in. And she came off, as quick as that. And it was as quick as that, it was like, and on that day I thought, oh, what a wonderful negotiator. Kind of how good am I? You know. Yeah, yeah. And then on the Friday of the same week, there was one chap who at one point said to me, "And what part of fuck off don't you understand?" <laughs> so, and it, yeah. it, it absolutely made me spell. You know, it was a brilliant sort of wake up call, Melinda. Do you know what I mean? It was it was sim- simple as that, really. Um, there are. The, the situations. I mean, to some extent, they're, they're all. They're all pretty similar. I don't mean by that. I don't mean every single person is different. So you're dealing with a different person each time, and their needs are very different, and their values are very different, and their you know their currencies and everything else they do is very different. And you've got to work them out. So to some extent, that part of it is similar. Do you know what I mean? But they're all they're all very different. So the most difficult negotiations, I think, with anybody is for everybody is people you don't like. If you don't like someone, it's really difficult to negotiate with them because your ego kicks in and your dislike of that person and your values and everything else kick in 
and it makes it really difficult to deal with them because I don't like her, you know. And I've never yet thought to myself, you know, bloody hell, mate, you know, I don't like you enough jump. I've never done that, do you know what I mean? But there are times when you're thinking, I don't know where I'm going with this because I don't like you enough to think hard, you know, because you get very, the emotion kicks in and you've got to be cool. I think that's the most important thing. But if you're negotiating anything, and, and especially with someone you don't like, you know, you have to really kind of set yourself up, put yourself in a mindset, okay. get your mindset right. Cool. All right then. Well, that's one form of quantification. Is it's sort of the, the shortest one, and yeah. sort of you know you really clicking quite quickly with yeah. that person. Yeah. What's an example of, of one of your longest? The longest ones, I suppose. Um, well, the one in Afghanistan, for instance, went on for four weeks. But I don't. I don't think I've, that's a very different negotiation. I think for myself. Um, normally eight to twelve hours. I mean, most of them normally eight to twelve hours. Um, there's been difficult ones. One person wouldn't speak to me for forty-five minutes. That got interesting. Yeah, he was up a tree, and uh, you try and talk to someone for five minutes, and nothing coming back. Hey, how yeah. did you make that happen? Yeah. <laughs> you just keep talking. You just have to come up with stuff. And there was a squirrel that ran past him, and I started talking about the squirrel. I said, "I can't believe you're doing this to that squirrel. This is dreadful, you know. Poor squirrel. Look, he's gonna, he can't get home to his family, you know. He's looking for his acorns, you know. And I was making stuff up. Really, it was horrendous looking back on it. But uh, and in the end, um, he uh, he just. It, <laughs> He wouldn't talk to me, saying, and I said, well, you must be dead. And I, I, went, I went to get the ladder because the vibe gave me there. And he said, no, no, I'm alive. I said, oh, right. Oh, I didn't realise. I said, right, you're going to have to talk to me every 10 minutes or I think I'm going to think you're dead. And he said, and he said I'm not going to. I said, okay, I'll get the ladder. And so every 10 minutes I went to get the ladder and every 10 minutes he spoke to me. And after about three hours of this, and it goes on for a long time, you're still talking. He said, come on, mate, you know, what's going on? Tell me what's about, all the rest of it, you know, trying to do your best. He said to me, and we started talking, he said, do you know that thing about the squirrels? I said, yeah, it made me laugh. <laughs> and it was kind of, well, once again, and, and it sounds ridiculous, I know, but um, just remember this, right? If your little kid has locked themselves in the bathroom and you're outside talking to your, you know, to your message, your husband, whatever, and you're saying like, when he comes out of here, I'm going to wrap him. <laughs> the problem is he's hearing everything you're saying and he ain't going to come out for a long time. So you've got to be careful because people hear what you say. They may not respond, but they hear it. And that's kind of, that's a big learning curve for me because that's, you know, but yeah, eight to twelve hours is not unusual, um, and 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 yeah, the most difficult ones. I think the most difficult ones are certainly the ones where you, you don't particularly like the people who you're dealing with, and that makes it hard. Yeah. Uh, a couple of more quick ones. We'll get out of here. How do you turn off and wind down? Like you said, you can be up in a tree trying to talk to somebody for forty-five minutes, and they're not giving you anything, and then you could still be up there for eight to twelve hours. How do you like to kill some time? Switch off. Well, afterwards, you mean, yeah. uh, or any time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I suppose, um, what do I do for, uh, for <laughs> I watch, um, three o'clock in the afternoon, I watch the films. I always watch <laughs> Cowboys and Westerns and all that. So it's terrible on it, really. But I kind of like the old films. And so I, that's what I tend to do. And, um, and I'm fascinated by this subject because I still think there's much more to learn and many more places to go. You know, I don't think we've scratched the surface of listening. I, I really don't. You know, I think there's the indirect questions, stuff like that, you know, which fascinates me. You ask, a, you ask one question and you're looking for a completely different... So if I said to you, um, Brexit, discuss. As you tell me about Brexit, you'll give me your politics. And I think that's kind of fascinating. That stuff is, it makes me, it gives me insights because very few people are prepared to give away like politics or religion or whatever. But the moment you ask a question like that, you find it all out. And, and that, I think, is, is an area where I've got to do some more work on, which I'm fascinated in. Um, hope has become a big thing for me at the moment I think um, how do you sell hope and, and if and they talk about you know faith hope and charity are the three great things and charity is the greatest no it's not hope is I think hope is the absolute key and and Brexit was a really interesting thing for me I, I, I couldn't understand how they won and then you started to really take it apart and, and it's so if you've got someone on a bridge how do you sell hope yeah, so so there's there's lots more to be done. I think so, so for me, it's like I'm still interested. Have you been using any of your emotional intelligence on me today? I'm very paranoid. <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, I've been doing too much talking. If I was using it, you'd have done the talking. Right, right, okay. Well, if I've been using it as at a top level, no, 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 no. Okay, I think it's like all these things. Is um, I have an outcome. We have an outcome from this interview, which is fine. You know, I do the outcome. And that's great. But um, no. No. I'll do it later. <laughs> no, no. I reckon he was working me the whole time. What a great set of knowledge bombs Richard Mullins dropped on us for this episode of Marcus Meets. If you want to find out more about him, there's links to him in the show description. 
And thank you for listening to today's episode, which was brought to you by our amazing production team, including myself, Billy Wright, Shane Powell, David Shawcross, special thanks to Milo Fisher in research, Wide Awake, aka CJ Beats, and Jordan Crisp for the introduction and outro music as well. By the way, Wide Awake are doing really well at the moment. They're like number three in the viral charts on Spotify. Great work guys i'm really happy for you about that uh, you can listen to marcus meets via itunes podcast for apple devices or acast which works on every single phone that i know of you can also head to marcusbronzy.com forward slash meets that's m-a-r-c-u-s-b-r-o-n-z head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Why.com slash meets to listen with any device you desire thank you for listening and we'll be back with an episode very soon <laughs>